Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This is the Sports Edge with Rick Wolf on your flagship station for New York sports. The Fan, Sports Radio 66 and 1019 FM, WFAN, New York. Hi, everybody, and welcome to this week's edition of Rick Wolf's Sports Edge. I'm your host, Rick Wolf. There was a, a brief news item from the sports pages this past week that I picked up on, and I wanted to see if you thought this was going to be a good idea or potentially bad one or whether it's just the way we are today when it comes to college sports and how sports are evolving. In short, this news item suggested that the Big Ten is now seriously considering allowing college athletes in the five major sports to have a one-time transfer exemption. And that means that Whereas traditionally you had to sit out an entire year when you transferred from one D1 school to another, this new rule would stipulate that you can play right away. Now we've talked numerous times about how there's a rising percentage of college freshmen in particular who get to college only to discover that they aren't making or they aren't getting the right amount of playing time in their program or that they're unhappy with the coach or some other issue makes their college athletic experience into a challenging one. And when this happens, well, kids invariably start to look for greener pastures. And more and more often, they go into the NCAA transfer portal and start to explore the transfer process. Now, the transfer portal was started just a couple of years ago, and it's had a significant impact uh, on kids in college who play sports. Now, under the current NCAA rules, a youngster who plays one of those five sports, uh, that could be it's football, basketball, uh, both men's and women, uh, men's ice hockey and baseball, if they transfer from one D1 program to another, they still have to sit out an entire year if they move to another college. And by the way, I'm not talking about, about youngsters who, tr- who graduate in three years from college in an accelerated program. And then they have an extra year of eligibility and go to graduate school at another college. That's different. And in some cases, a waiver is granted to the transferring athlete by his original college program due to extenuating personal circumstances. But I'm talking about the garden variety kid who decides that they want to jump from one college program to another in order to play his or her sport and now has to sit out an entire year to play that sport. Okay, now, a little bit of a, and we're going to take your calls about this and to see whether or not this is a good idea, are we making progress, or is this move going to really open up a Pandora's box in terms of, quite frankly, for lack of a better term, uh, concerns about free agency, quasi-free agency when kids are trumping from one program to another at, at the D1 level. A little historical perspective to put this all in, into a, a serious framework. You know, back in the day, and for years and years and years, there have been literally thousands 
of college athletes who had the same frustrations about being stuck on the bench or found themselves playing for a bad coach in college. But it was a very rare athlete who transferred out to another school. I mean, you had every right to do so if you wanted to, but if you did, well, the truth is you ran the risk of being labeled as selfish or as a a troublemaker, someone who puts their own interests ahead of the team. It was just felt that you should just, well, suck it up, stick it up, and, you know, work hard and practice and hope for the best. But the truth is that for many, many college kids, it was not a positive situation to find oneself in. So I want to get your sense about this, uh, because I do think there are concerns, and even though there seems to be a groundswell of support for this, uh, again, this is something the Big Ten is now beginning to favor, what do you think? As I said, some college coaches and athletic directors say that allowing this kind of, uh, of immediate transfer placement will lead to a kind of intercollegiate free agency mentality. I mean, it's, it's, it's uh, promising players will start in effect. Uh, they will look to shop their towns to the so-called best programs. And, of course, there are concerns that unscrupulous enticements will be involved. And you know what I'm talking about here. I mean, if you're a college coach and your job is on the line to, to build up your program and you know there's some – you've heard about a kid that another college who's looking to transfer out, you know, you might say, well, you know, why don't you consider my program? Uh, and, you know, we have to sweeten the deal in some way off the record, off the books. Maybe we can do that. You know, this is what we're talking about today, and I do think this is something that that is we really have to be concerned about because this could get very sticky and very, quite frankly, very ugly very fast. And as I said, it could lead to some, let's face it, big-time college coaches trying to lure top players away from other programs. And I, I have to tell you, you know, in looking at and some of the research I've done on this, you know, the fact is that, uh, and let me just be clear about this. So we, and I know it's a complicated topic, and if you aren't familiar with it, I suggest if you have a kid who's going off to college to play sports at either Division One, Two, II, or Three level, you got to make sure you're up to speed about what, what the rules are. Now, right now, in Division One, if your kid is playing uh, college sports and decides that he or she wants to transfer to another program well, and, and wants to play right away, well... The way I understand this, he or she can do that so long as he or she he is not playing football, men's basketball, women's basketball, baseball, or men's ice hockey. Those five sports, which are obviously revenue producers, that's where you have to right now, you have to sit a year unless you get a special kind of exemption. But everybody else can move you know, one way to another. It also gets more complicated if you're playing Division Two and you want to transfer to Division One. Uh, and again, the portal is something that is set up by the NCAA. It's meant as a sort of a clearinghouse. It's meant to help the compliance officers figure out exactly what's going on. But it is complicated stuff and, and clearly something that people have to know all the ins and outs. And again, in looking at the literature from the NCAA and doing my rep- preparation for today's show, they don't really talk much about why somebody would want to even do this in the first place, because I guess they feel it's fairly self-evident. one 337 6666 Let's start our conversation this morning with our friend Jack over in Fairlawn. Hey, Jack, good morning. What do you make of this whole, the, these new rules that they're trying to push through in the NCAA? Well, you know, Rick, it, it, it's, it's something that I think that in all the, in all the years of coaching, 
you know, and not being familiar with a lot of these rules, especially the rule about those five sports. I always wondered, you know, why those five sports and not others. But you explained it with the revenue, and they're 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 money makers. You know, wrestling is a big money maker too in a lot of the Division One schools. But the one thing that we have to think about is the kid, and you know, we're punishing the kid. You know, kids make mistakes. And, you know, and here they're being penalized for maybe making a mistake. Maybe the school wasn't a fit. You know, we have a friend that, that is a coach, um, Ani Ramos, who had a player um, a year ago. And I actually asked you your advice on this. And he was promised a full ride at, I think, Texas A&M or Texas Tech. I think it was Texas Tech. And maybe two, two or three weeks before he was ready to leave and, and, and go at the end of August, um, the coach withdrew everything. Um, he even signed a letter of intent um, because two of his players that he thought were going to be drafted and move on into the pros decided to stay. So now this kid's left alone with a promise that was given to him by a coach that's being withdrawn. Yep. And, and a kid like that, if he would have gone to that school and found out that coach never called him and found out, now I'm sitting behind two guys who I might not ever get a chance. Is that his fault? No, it's not. So you're punishing the kid. I like the rule. I really do. I think that every sport, revenue or not, the kids should be allowed that one shot, that one time to transfer, because there's so many circumstances, you know, that we don't even know about. Like this one right here that I just explained with Ani Ramos's kid, you know, this kid was promised something and, and the promise was, was, was withdrawn. So, you know, one of the things that I, I think is very, very important is that the NCAA starts thinking about the kid. When it comes to these coaches recruiting guys away from schools, that's their job to do the research and find out. You know, at the high school level, when a coach is practicing out of season, the NJSIAA, they research this stuff and they find out these things and do the punishment and the rulings and things like that. So I think this is a great rule. I really do. I don't think you should ever punish the kid for making a mistake. You know, he gets to this school, it's not a fit, not even athletically, but academically. Or he's not happy. You know, he was in awe of being recruited. So these things have to be considered. And the one thing the NCAA has to think about is the kid first. Not the school, not the money that's being made or not made, but the kid. Don't penalize the kid. That's it. Jack, that's, I, that's my feeling. Okay, and thank you for for your thoughts. Uh, and so, obviously, you do embrace the uh, this new rule. Uh, it is such a complicated and far-reaching uh, kind of statement that uh, yeah, I, I understand what Jack is saying. Of course, that let's not let's put the kid and the kid's best interest first. That's obviously a wonderful sentiment because let's face it, it is about the kid. And if you're a sports parent. You want only the best for your son or your daughter. Uh, it does get very, very complicated, and we could spend uh, an entire week discussing all the various uh, ramifications and stipulations about transferring. But I do know 
And I've heard stories, horror stories, about uh, kids who get to a program, and perhaps you've heard them as well, where, where you know, all of a sudden the, the coach, uh, for example, uh, doesn't particularly uh, think the kid he's brought in to play. And again, this, we're talking about a scholarship athlete now. A kid who's been brought in, has been recruited. Uh, the coach either feels that uh, perhaps he was uh, overly generous in his evaluation of the kid's talents, or he doesn't like the kid's uh, work ha- habits, or whatever it might be. And suddenly the coach is thinking, okay, what can I do to get this kid out of this program so I can get a scholarship back and recruit somebody else? Uh, and that's something that is a real concern, and it does happen a lot. Uh, doesn't go obviously reported, uh, you know, because after all, who wants to be in that kind of situation if I find out your coach is basically ignoring you in practice? Other kids get to a program, and they've been recruited, and all of a sudden they realize they're way down on the depth chart, and they're never going to get a chance to, to progress, never get a chance to get any playing time, which may have been promised, which may have been promised during the recruiting uh, situation. It's complicated stuff, and those are the kids who obviously are eager to explore greener pastures and to go someplace else. But again, it's, 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 it's delicate and it's difficult because wherever the program he goes to next, that coach is going to ask questions of why, why do you want to come here? Why were you happy in your previous school? Uh, what kind of, of uh, athletic scholarship were you receiving? Uh, it goes on and on. Now, on the flip side of this and doing my research, it turns out that <clears throat> a good chunk of the kids who are going into the transfer portal are kids who have been, particularly in football, who have been walk-ons and do not get any uh, financial aid or scholarship, athletic scholarship money from their current school and are now looking to go someplace else D1 to play football in the hopes they might get financial aid, like get a scholarship. So they're looking to say, look, it's, uh, it's, it's expensive to go to college. I'm paying my way, even though a lot of my teammates are getting full uh, tuition, room and board. I'm looking for a program where I can at least get, uh, you know, I don't have to go take out loans to go to college. It's a complicated issue. Everybody wants to make sure everybody is treated well. But this is sort of the next step, and the time has come now to ask these questions. Is this the right thing to do uh, for the kids who go to these to colleges to play sports at the D1 level and the Big Five? All right, let me, let me take a, a timeout. Uh, I'm eager to get your thoughts about this. We heard from Jack Smithlin. He's in favor of the rule and that kids do not have to sit at the D1 level. Curious you think if this is going to work and how it would be implemented and how uh, what you think. Simple as that. one 337 6666. Mark Renee is here this morning. He has your update. When I return, I'll go right back to your calls. Radio.com. And welcome back to the Sports Edge. This is Rick Wolf, and we're talking this morning. Well, about this new proposed rule that would eliminate having to sit out a year for athletes who transfer in college. And right now, well, that's allowed in pretty much all uh, the sports at the the visual level, but it's not allowed for the five major sports. And just to define those or give you the rule, a one-time transfer exemption, that's what it's called technically, a one-time transfer exemption currently is allowed in all but five Division I sports, football, men's basketball, women's basketball, baseball, and men's ice hockey. Athletes transferring in those sports must sit out a year of competition unless they graduate from their original institution or obtain an immediate eligibility waiver from the NCAA. 
And uh, Gene Smith, who's the athletic director, well-respected AD at Ohio State, says, I'm supportive of this. At the end of the day, we need to provide those kids in those five sports the same opportunities as those in the other sports have. At the end of the day, everybody has a choice. Why can't they have a choice? So the question is, yeah, everybody agrees with this in principle. I guess my question is, and I'm, I'm going to be somewhat neutral about this, uh, because I, I don't know, I can't really get a sense as to how this is going to be implemented. And quite frankly, who is going to watch over this? We already know the NCAA is really stretched when it comes to enforcement of its rules. So how do you, how do you prevent, how do you keep this all on the uh, up, up, and above? How do, how do we make sure this actually works the right way? one uh, 337 6666 I'm eager to get your thoughts about this, as promised. I want to get to your calls. Let's go to uh, Connecticut, where Jim is standing by. Hey, Jim, good morning. You're on the fan. Good morning. Um, I'm just curious about what about the kid that, you know, has a, uh, gets a full scholarship yep. and then ends up, uh, the coach ends up leaving because he goes someplace. And then you got a kid that was expecting to be in a program with that particular coach. And what what happens to him? You know, I I do I don't know. I think there's definitely circumstances that, you know, they shouldn't be losing because you know they made a decision and got promised, and then the coach you know coaches don't tell any tell anybody anything, and then they split. And what is that kid supposed to do? That's that's where I'm at. Jim, these are, that's exactly the kind of question that I think needs to be investigated because we, we, of course, know that co- coaches come and go, a uh, revolving door. Same thing, at the, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, whether they go to a different program or they get fired or they retire, who knows what happens to them. Uh, obviously, I do believe that if a, co- if a kid is uh, on the way in and the coach that recruited him has decided to go elsewhere or has let go, the, the kid is no longer necessarily bound to that school. But, again, I'm not, I'm not okay. an expert on these rules, but I do okay, know that. Okay, what a- are you doing to the kid who already signed and, you know, then the guy <laughs> tells him? I mean, it might be bound to it, but too little too late. The other school's already probably sold up, no? Jim, imagine a kid who's a freshman at a Division One football program, and uh, he says, you know what, that, the coach I wanted to go to at, at State University, uh, I'm going to go there now because that coach really wanted me when I was in high school. And so the kid goes through the transfer process, goes to State University, only to find out that the coach has left or he's gone someplace else or he's been fired. It gets really, really complicated. I don't know if that's a, a, a deterrent for this rule to be implemented or not because there's always going to be complications. But I do know it, it is the kind of thing where people are saying, well, how do, how do we watch over this? And again, I still come back to, and maybe I'm just being too, too much of a concern here about the negativity. And Jim, thank you for your thoughts this morning. You know, the concern I have is, well, you know, you're a young, ambitious college coach and you want to bring in the best talent you can find. And, you know, you're knocking heads against other D1 programs, whether it's baseball or basketball or football. And, you know, you look around and say, you know, I, I hear there's some kids who aren't happy where they are right now. Maybe I can bring that kid over here to play for my program. Well, it turns out that other coaches are doing the same thing. So all of a sudden you find yourself in a very competitive situation, just like when you were recruiting kids out of high school. It's like a sense of free agency. What are you going to do to entice a kid who's not happy as a freshman someplace else and wants to come right now and play for your program, and you have to basically you know, compete against other D1 coaches? I mean, this, these are real concerns, which I'm not sure the NCAA has sort of thought through quickly enough. Let's, let's, go, to, um, let's go to Vernon in Manhattan. Vernon, good morning. You're on the fan. Good morning. How are you doing? Good, Vernon. I'm, I'm in strong agreement that – allow the kids to transfer and not sit out for one year. 
it makes no sense. If I'm sitting on the bench and maybe I was promised or maybe I wasn't promised, but I have talent, yep. and they're not going to use me until they move the seniors or people who are playing. And a lot of these kids want a shot at the NBA. And if no one sees their stats or how they play, uh, regardless, um, they should transfer, transfer to a school. Now, if I was a kid and I was going to do a transfer, I would do research. I would look at schools that have good scholarships, but yet the players on that team are poor in shooting skills. And I would aim at those particular schools in that area. So that's my thoughts for the day. Remove this thing. Let the kids move on. It's like having a job. I don't like my job. I can go someplace else. Have a nice day. Okay, Brendan. Well, thank you. And I, I you know, I, I, I hear you saying, and again, you know, on the surface, it does seem to make a lot of sense because we live in a society, of course, where we are allowed our freedom to do what we want to do. And for many, many, many decades of college athletes, it was always a huge deterrent to say, well, you know what? I really want to play, but I'm sitting on the bench here. The coach doesn't seem to have any use for my talents, doesn't think I'm not good enough to play for him, whether it's sport it may be. And I don't mind transferring to another school. However, I don't want to lose a year of eligibility because, gee whiz, that's that's brutal. You, you only have, you know, four, um, four years of college eligibility, and basically I'm going to sit for a year, and who knows what will happen during that year. Maybe the coach will, will go someplace else or bring somebody else into play. It, it's difficult. So on the surface, it makes a heck of a lot of sense to do this, uh, but I just worry about the implementation. And by the way, we do know that, uh, particularly according to the NCAA stats, the, the vast majority of kids who go into the transfer portal are basically uh, basketball players after the freshman year. As Vernon mentioned, you know, the kid's not playing, wants to go to a program because he feels that might accelerate his, his ascension into the NBA. Uh, and, and other situations are in football, where kids obviously want to go someplace where maybe they can get a, a football scholarship. Again, I mentioned before, a lot of the football players are kids who were walk-ons at the D1 level, did not, did not get an athletic scholarship to play football, and now they're looking to go to transfer someplace where they can get some money because who wants to pay, you know, why not go to college for free instead of getting going into debt with loans? Let's move on. Let's go to, uh, let's go to Brooklyn, and John is standing by. Hey, John, good morning. You're up next. Good morning, Rich. Yes, John. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Uh, I want to take the other side of this argument and talk about my, my son is a professional baseball player. When he was in college, uh, when he was leaving high school, he uh, didn't really want to travel that far, so he ended up at a smaller school in New England where it was promised to him he could start as a freshman, and indeed he did. Then he goes to a summer wood bat league, and he's there uh, playing with a number of players from real top baseball schools, and he sort of lets the word slip out that he would consider transferring. Mm -hmm. So one night, I get a phone call from uh, a manager, an illegal phone call from a coach from a big, big, big baseball program who says, your son, if he can transfer, you, you won't pay for a pencil. Now, meanwhile, his first school, they were not fully funded, um, and, and that was fine with us. So he was getting some money, but not a full scholarship. Now, if he was allowed to transfer, he would have left that first school in a heartbeat and been down in one of the big uh, baseball factories. Yep. If you allow this transfer with no year off, all of the smaller programs are going to get pilfered every year. Correct. Their sophomore and junior year, and Correct. their best players are going to get sucked up. 
and they will have no chance to advance. Because he was at this smaller school, and he ended up getting drafted very high, four of his other players on his team ended up getting drafted, and the profile of this program exploded. Mm -hmm. So the negative side of this is that school made an offer to a young man. It was a good offer. He took it because he could play. And the rules kept him there. It helped him. It helped the school. And everybody profited. With the rule change, it might have helped him. It would not have helped the school. And only one team would have profited. So there you go. John, let me, I'm glad you called about this because this is exactly what I'm talking about. And again, I hate to be skeptical about this because obviously we want our kids not to be unhappy uh, if they're at a program where the things just aren't uh, working out. But the way you just outlined this is something that I think makes a lot of sense and should be taken very seriously. You can foresee, like you said, your, your son went to a, a program, not exactly a big-name program, but it was growing. All of a sudden, he gets a phone call, uh, a, a, a clandestine phone call, you do, from a big-time college coach who says, hey, I hear your son might be considering transferring. I'd like for him to consider my program. Well, that's, of course, illegal for a college coach to do that. But again, you know, this goes on routinely. Second thing is, you know, I could see if that happens, all the kids who are freshmen who are looking to transfer someplace else, college, big-time college programs, which do have the athletic budget, uh, they'll have a coach, a recruiting coach on their, on their staff who will be marketing and looking around all over the country at, at smaller programs to see who we can sort of say, hey, why don't you come here and play for us? I mean, it, it's, it's, it's just like – uh, a redux of high school recruiting into college, but now it's from the college to the college uh, situation. And it's, it's, it just seems like we're going to really have tremendous difficulties. A lot of people are going to be saying, but you promised or this happened or you got me in trouble with my, my current coach. It just seems like a weird set of circumstances. Well, and, and the risk is, the, you know, the risk-reward profile that every coach has to calculate in their minds will completely change because the big schools were going, look, I don't have to take any risk on any freshmen. I'll just wait until they prove themselves as a freshman or a sophomore, and then I'll swoop in and grab them because yeah, uh, I can offer them a chance to play in the College World Series. I can offer them other things. I mean, it sort of it reminds me to a certain extent, and again, we're talking right now about baseball, uh, which is one of those five sports, but it's like junior college kids. I mean, uh, when I was coaching at Mercy College, I was always well aware of, of the top local junior college ball players because obviously a lot of them wanted to go on and finish and get a, a, a BA degree, a, you know, from a four-year program. And that was, that was ripe uh, hunting ground for, for coaches like myself, because now we've seen the kids, they're one or two years out of high school. They've proven themselves against a better competition at JUCO level. And yeah, I'm interested in bringing those kids to mercy, but that was, that was different as to what this is about where kids transfer from one school to another. I, I just, I just don't know. Whereas everybody agrees it's a wonderful idea and a great way to solve a lot of issues for kids who are disgruntled and disenchanted with their, their colleges as freshmen. I just don't know how you police this and make sure it doesn't cause bigger issues. Well, uh, the, yeah. only, the only issue I can come up with is if you're going to create a marketplace like that, then create a marketplace. If the student wants to transfer from a small school to a larger school, the larger school has to pay the smaller school for whatever money that they, the smaller school had given them in the past. 
repay well, that scholarship, and then you can have my boy. <laughs> so now I become now I become a minor league. Uh, you know, I, I become a, an independent league broker of talent. Um, you know, it's it's an interesting uh, proposition, although in certain circumstances, a lot of kids are going from a D three where they're not getting any any athletic scholarship to a D one. So how well, do you compensate them? You know, it's it's weird because we're all trying to do the right thing for the youngster, and and um, you know, it's it's just so complex. We're talking just about baseball now, basketball, football, hockey. It gets it gets weirder and weirder according to the sport. You yes, know? it does. <laughs> John, I, I, I very much thank you for bringing up uh, this case study with your son because he would be exhibit A as to how complicated this issue is. And uh, yeah, that's exactly what it's a spot on, exactly what we're talking about this morning. Th- thank you, John. Appreciate the call very much. You know, and that is exactly what we're talking about here. We're talking about kids' situation where, you know, how, how do you basically figure this out? Because I guarantee you, in the, in the, the win-at-all-cost, dog-eat-dog world of college sports, you know, there are going to be college programs. The coaches are going to be looking around for other programs locally or nationally where they can sort of, quote-unquote, entice kids who want to go to their program to sometimes come to their program instead of staying where they are now. I'm not sure how you stop that from happening. And maybe we don't have to stop it from happening. We just say, look, it's everybody can do what they want. It's a free-for-all. Forget about enforcement. Forget about trying to enforce the rules. Just do what you want, because in the end, it's impossible to, to try and police this. All right, let me, let me take another pause here. When I return, we'll talk more about this issue and just how complicated it is. And I'm curious to get uh, see if you have any solutions. one 337 <laughs> and, you know, like the return of the Swallows to Capistrano every spring, well, our Fred Ed Randall does return to his perch at 9 o'clock this morning. Of course, Ed will be talking baseball. Now, don't forget, this coming Thursday evening from 6.30 to 8.30, our big two-hour Sports Ed show goes prime time. And we're going to be talking about the the future of sports parenting, and I'm going to be uh, chatting with several special guests and, of course, taking your calls, and I'll just give you a sneak preview of some of the people who have already confirmed to be on the show, include uh, Steph Curry's mom, uh, Sonia Curry, talking about what it's like to raise uh, a couple of uh, top NBA players. Uh, We're also going to be joined by Dr. James Andrew, who, of course, needs no introduction, talking about arms and kids and everything else, and uh, Wayne Mazzoni, our, our our longtime expert on college recruiting. He'll be along as well. I have some other surprise guests as well. Again, that's this coming Thursday evening on the fan from 6.30 to 8.30. Make sure you tune in. Uh, now, we're talking this morning about this proposal to allow college athletes to transfer without having to sit out a year. Now, it's already done at, in every sport, and it's allowed except for what they call the Big Five, which is football men's and women's basketball, baseball, and men's ice hockey. And, you know, we're getting calls on both sides of the issue on this because we just, it's just kind of unclear how this is going to play out, whether it's the right thing to do for kids who obviously are going, you know, they're sitting in a program, unhappy with their playing time, not happy with their coach, not happy with their environment. Why not make their lives easier and let them transfer and not have to sit a year, let them play right away. 
uh, or we open up the door to other sort of unsavory situation when it comes to, to colleges and college coaches. And they're, you know, they're basically very, very voracious recruiting techniques. Let's go back to our calls. Let's go to Tom in uh, East Farmingdale out in Long Island. Tom, good morning. You're on the fan. Good morning, Rick. Yeah, Tom. Um, I got to start because my, my daughter went through a situation. Uh, she was going to uh, a school out of state, or she was planning on attending a school out of state, and she, highly, she was recruited by the coaches and everything. She gets to the school within two weeks of uh, preseason. Coach goes up to her and says, yeah, I don't think this is for you. So she was all upset, and yep. she ended up calling her old travel coach, who was uh, a local college coach by us. She goes to goes to him and says, what do I do? Tells her to come home. He actually found a spot for her on a junior college team. She played every minute of every game pretty much the whole season. And, you know, if, if now if she wants to, after the junior college, she wants to go play in another college, she has to still go back to the four-year school to get uh, cleared out of yeah, but it, you know it's a it's a, a a situation where if the coach wants you and then all of a sudden they turn around and change their mind, what's their recourse? There, there is right now no recourse, and as you mentioned, Tom, it, it, it's very, very complicated. And I, I mentioned early on the show, it would take a week to go through all the various permutations. But in the way the rules are currently set up, yeah, if you transfer out uh, and, and you, you have to then basically get basically permission from your current coach to do that, and you got to tell the coach, your current coach, where you want to transfer to, and the coach has the right to block that. I mean, this is really sort of uh, medieval and, and uh, barbaric. Uh, this, this new rules would allow that all to go away. Uh, and and it's, at least that's my understanding. But it's complicated. And the way you just started the, the story is that your, your daughter got to the school. Within two weeks, the coach says, ah, this is not really what we had in mind. It's like saying, yeah, I recruited you, but now I've done a 180 and I'm changing my mind, so you can just go someplace else. That's not right. And, and you know, unfortunately, coaches do that. I, some of them do it uh, just by, quite frankly, they over-recruit and they over-promise. And then they figure, well, you know, at the end of the day, maybe the kid will quit on their own anyhow. It's just not right, Tom. And I, I do think the coaches should be held accountable for, for when they really basically are, are dashing a kid's dreams and hopes. The kid gets there two weeks in and the coach says, ah, I really don't need you on the team. Well, I also had a situation where, well, not really I had the situation, some of her teammates we're getting recruited by schools, and all of a sudden they, they say, okay, I'm coming to the school. Then they went specifically because of the coach. And then the coach decides, oh, I'm going to be transferring to somewhere else. Now it's like they're also stuck in limbo because they made a commitment basically because of the coach, and they go into a coach that they have no clue who they are. Yeah, yeah. I'm telling you, it's, it's really uh, uncharted territory, uh, and it's not fair. It's not fair to the kids. And, uh, yeah, but I don't know if I don't this issue about coaches over promising and over recruiting. I'm not sure this gets enough daylight, uh, but it's a real horrible situation if your son or daughter is involved in this nightmare. Hey, Tom, let me get some other calls. Thank you for your for chiming in this morning. Let's uh, continue. Let's go to Mark over in Huntington. Hey, Mark, you're next up on the fan. Good morning. How are you? Good, Mark. Good. Just a you know a few quick thoughts on this, and I can see both sides of it. Um, from my perspective, it seems that it's mostly mostly going to help 
those kids that are in that bad situation. They're unhappy. They're not getting the playing time. And, you know, the previous caller mentioned about schools getting cherry-picked of better players. But yes. I just wonder about the frequency of that. I mean, how many D3 players are all of a sudden going to get offered a full ride by a D1 school? It just doesn't seem it's going to happen a lot. Right. So that was one thought. And then the other thought um, is kind of, and there's nothing you can do about this, but, you know, sometimes a kid might be kind of a, a big fish in a small pond, and all of a sudden if they try to move up, and then they might find themselves in a worse situation than they started with, you know? Well, that's the other concern, too, of course, that it may just uh, be a, a repeat. But I mean, you like to think that if a kid goes through the hassle and the process of transferring from one college to another, that he or she is going to do their homework extensively and make sure that there's no no surprises at the other end because who wants to go through it again? Uh, and I do know kids, we know kids that do transfer two or three times in college, but usually it's because of extenuating circumstances. Uh, you know, I, I don't know, and to your point, Mark, yeah, obviously it's kind of rare for a D3 player to go to a D1 program. doesn't happen very often. I guess the one that comes to mind most recently was uh, the kid from Williams College, uh, Duncan Robinson, the basketball player who transferred from Williams, which is a fine D3 program, but he went to a D1 basketball program, and now he's you know a star in the NBA with the Miami Heat. doesn't happen very often, but again, we know how... how how voracious these college recruiters are to find talent that may have been overlooked someplace or another. I mean, again, going back to basketball, a kid like John Morant, when he, he was, he went to Murray State, which of course is a D1 program. Uh, but you know, John Morant was not particularly highly recruited. I think the story goes he was offered a scholarship when he was uh, meeting with the coach from Murray State in a parking lot somewhere, and so the kid goes there. But if you're a D1 basketball coach and you see this kid as a freshman at at murray state and you say hey come to my program play in the big 10 play here in the in the pac 10 i mean you can see how kids could be basically hijacked and pickpocketed away from smaller programs mark it's a real concern i, I thank you for your call this morning let's um let's see let's go to uh let's go to uh, nathan over in uh, new jersey hey nathan you're next up on the fan <coughs> hey thanks for taking the call uh, yes sir you know it's interesting you know it's interesting i mean like People transfer from colleges all the time, not just for athletics. You know, if, if I'm a yeah, I know. College, yeah, we know. That, we're talking about we're talking about college and, sports now. So, and and here, all right. So here's my thing. So, um, I'm I'm pretty sure these college athletes don't have like a contract, right? So, what's stopping them from just dropping out of college, and then they're free to do what they want, and then if they want to apply to another college, they could do that. Um, so I don't. I kind of can see ways around it, but also too, I mean, like you know, the whole transfer thing. I mean, if you fell for it once, you you know. Be aware of a um, of a good um, you know a good recruiter because they're going to promise you the moon. If it happened once, it can happen again. So I think kids coming out of high school need to be a, a bit better coached as to what to expect for themselves, parents, uh, things like that. Uh, not get head over heels or get you know too full of themselves. But also too, yeah, I mean like just drop out. There's no contract there. They have no legal obligation to be at that school. They could drop out, right? Yeah, I you know uh, it's a good question, Nathan. Thank you for the call this morning. I don't know the technicalities uh, of dropping out and how that obligates you or not. But I would think that if you drop out. Obviously, being done to circumnavigate the rules, you would still have to get <clears throat> uh, go into the transfer portal, which means you have to go back to your original college and get permission to transfer and so on and so forth. It's not it's not easy. It's not straightforward and clean. You got to go through uh, hoops and hurdles to make this happen. 
Plus, if you drop out, whatever you know, college credits you've accumulated, uh, that's they've been paid for. I mean, it gets that's that may not be the best way to do this uh, in terms of like just saying I'm just going to quit and go someplace else. Let's move on to Lou over in Lindbergh. Hey, Lou. Good morning. You're on the fan. Hey, Rick. How are you? Great good, to Lou. talk to you. You too. Uh, I just uh, one point I want to make is I've been coaching college soccer for a long time. Yeah. And I know there's no such thing as a guaranteed full athletic scholarship for four years. Just one year. Any coach. Right. Any coach can take away any scholarship at any time from his players. Right. With that said, I think that, uh, in my opinion, I think a student should be allowed to, uh, to transfer if he has to, because a coach can turn a player's life upside down. Uh, another way he could lose his scholarship is if he doesn't maintain a 2.0 average in college. Yeah, well, I'm glad you mentioned that because one of the stipulations when you transfer from one school to the next, it's it's understood that the kid's academics, his, uh, he or, his or her GPA, is sufficient enough to be able to transfer and to not lose eligibility. In other words, you just can't say, well, you know what? Maybe the way to do this is if I flunk out of my current college, then I can get a fresh start someplace else and play right away. No, it, it doesn't work that way. You got you got to have a, a like a three GPA or two point five, whatever it might be, in order to play at the next school. That's something they obviously they do keep track of with the transcripts. But Lou, you know this is uh, and again you've coached for a long time. You know what I'm talking about. There are a lot of coaches out there who either don't know the rules or figure my job is to bring the very best talent into my program, whatever sport it may be. And if I happen to, you know, over-recruit or a lot of kids, more kids come to my program than I expected, and I realize a lot of them are going to be uh, disgruntled or disenchanted by the lack of playing time, you know, what is, what's the coach's responsibility to those kids, you know? Yeah. And uh, also, Rick, there's uh... – it's so many changes in the NCAA. I'll give you an example. In soccer, in Division One, there's going to be a two-season sport. In other words, they're going to play in the fall and in the spring. And it's already been voted upon where the NCAA championship is going to be now played in the spring. Yes, I, heard, gonna that. I yeah. heard about that. I heard about that, too. Right. What's going to happen to the students that maybe play another sport? I mean, there's so many conflicting well, uh, and confusing situations with the NCAA. They have to get on top of this. Uh, Lou, I'm telling you, things are changing, my friend. And obviously, you mentioned about that with uh, playing in the fall and the spring. Some years ago, I tried to start a movement with the NCAA about having college baseball. Because uh, let's face it, when you play in the Northeast, uh, playing games in, in uh, you know March or April, it's freezing. And it gives a huge recruiting advantage to the schools. And Lou, thank you for the call this morning. Gives a gives a huge advantage to the southern schools in terms of warmer weather in the spring. So I went to the NCAA and said, why don't we have a vote about this? And just say, why don't we play 35 games uh, for real that count in the fall from Labor Day, let's say, into the middle of October, and then pick up again around the middle of April and play 35 games in the spring. That way you have 70 game schedule and it's some good weather. Uh, unfortunately, I got a lot of support, but it didn't pass. And I would like to wonder if we did that again this now, as opposed to this 20 years ago, maybe make a big difference and make things a lot different in terms of college recruiting for baseball in the cold weather climbs. Okay. That's going to do it for me in this edition of the Sports Edge. My thanks this morning to Pete Kennedy. Don't forget, this Thursday evening from 6.30 to 8.30, we're talking about the future of sports parenting right here on The Fan. Please stick around for Ed Randall. He's up next. I'll see you this Thursday right here on WFAN.
This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.